This is a Crow's Nest podcast. Hello, we interrupted our Dalmatians talk to start recording because we were having too much fun without you. We're sorry. We're so sorry, listeners. But if it helps, here's a (laughs) recap of what we talked about for the dogs. Bork, 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 bark. For the humans, a hundred is a lot of dogs. A hundred is a lot of dogs. I think that's a universal truth. It is, especially as Gally was saying, especially Dalmatians. And I was going to, I was actually thinking to myself, wait till you hit record. Um, I've been <laughs> helping a neighbor with her puppy who is a Dalmatian. His, oh. his name is Cosmo and he's very, very sweet, but he's oh so much. I have two scratches on me. They are from him. He oh. just, he cannot, he cannot stay on the ground. He just, he's constantly launching himself into the area. So much energy. He's so happy to see you. He is on the couch and on the floor and all over the place and in the air and up and down. And it's just, oh my goodness. But he doesn't bark a lot. I will say not a very loud dog, just a very everywhere dog. <laughs> he's just, He's very excited and might be part flying squirrel is what you're saying. Yeah, he also might be part dynamite. <laughs> well, I hope that dog doesn't explode. But as you all might have guessed, we are on another dog movie today. We're on 101 Dalmatians. And we're also uh, Damsels Who Discuss with yes, me, we are. Gally. And me, Alexia. <laughs> I am. I am. How are you, Galley? Well, I'm good. Um, I am a damsel who Dalmatianed by watching this movie. I guess that works. That means absolutely nothing. How are you? I'm fine. I, I'm in the middle of moving. Like, my movers come on Sunday, and it's a Friday today. Mm-hmm. So it's just going to be like a couple days of chaos. And I'm also not sure how my dog is going to handle because he doesn't like change. So I don't think he's going to enjoy a new place. And also this new place has a new person in it. It has my boyfriend in it and it's going to have two cats in it. So this is, I think we're in for a really rough week. I'm sorry that you guys don't have all your spots. That's what this <laughs> no. is. Clearly not. These guys needed to all grow up together like Tibbs and the Colonel. Sergeant mm-hmm. Colonel. Yes. Why does oh. he have a name? He is, he's just the Colonel. Yeah, but the cat has a name. <laughs> Sergeant Tibbs. Yeah, I don't it's know. Not... I don't know. Yeah, it's Colonel Nothing. It's Colonel of Nothing. <laughs> hmm. Apparently his voice was by the same guy who did Jasper's voice, too. So. Oh, nice. I'm sorry. I see one of those comments you were talking about now. <laughs> well, do we want to do, before we get into the how other people felt about this movie, <laughs> do you do you want to do the, uh, the summary of yeah. the movie in case people, for some reason, have missed the phenomenon of 101 Dalmatians? <laughs> I just realized I spelled kidnap wrong and Dalmatians. Okay. Uh, I fixed that. <laughs> yeah, I did the summary this time i did my traditional two excuse me guys um i didn't put the year in my summaries this time which i normally do so for um anyone this one came out in 1961 um the last one we talked about was 
was it Sleeping Beauty or Lady and the Tramp? Because I watched these backwards. Okay, it was Sleeping Beauty, it was Sleeping and that Beauty. was yeah. okay. That was in 1959. I watched them backwards so that the one that we were discussing first would be the one that I'd watched most recently. But that also means that I have now unintentionally flip flopped them in my mind, and I think I shouldn't do that again. I mean, I think actually it kind of works out because 101 Dalmatians is technically just another film in the dog universe of Lady and the Tramp because so many of the Lady and the Tramp characters end up making little cameos in this. It's like they the Marvel do. Extended Universe, really. I think four of them do. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll get into that. Um, all righty. 101 Dalmatians is the adventurous tale of a pair of Dalmatians, Pongo and Perdita, who embark on a journey to the English countryside after discovering that their puppies had been kidnapped by Cruella de Vil, who is determined to use their spotted fur for fur coats. They race against time to find their own 15 puppies and rescue the other 84 that Cruella has acquired, bringing them home to safety and a brand new family. Yeah, I I, I just really like Embark. Em- <laughs> embark. Embark. Uh, well, they do. But $101. I'm struggling this morning, you guys. I'm sorry, you're on the struggle bus. I am on the struggle bus, and I think it's like visibly apparent. I think I'm sitting like six inches tall in my seat. Um, I'm just so tired. I'm like, I'd like to turn into a mushroom right now. Uh, <laughs> I have a feeling that this is going to turn around in about 30 minutes because I've been, I've started to drink tea, and uh, yeah, we'll see. 101 Dalmatians follows a matchmaking Pongo as he sets out to better his own life by getting a lady friend for his pet, Roger. (laughs) He managed, it's true, he manages to get Anita, a pretty girl, and Perdita, a pretty Dalmatian, to be their forever partners and soon finds himself the father of 15 puppies, which somehow the neighborhood allows as they are the quietest puppies ever. Oh, apparently you've proved this actually with your own experience with the Dalmatian. I, I was wondering if Cosmo was atypical or if Dalmatians are just not like loud, barky dogs, because it's entirely possible they're just like, because Leto's not like the most, most barky dog in comparison to other dogs. So well, possible. Yeah. If listener out there, if you happen to have a Dalmatian or you happen to have 15 just sitting around your house, how loud, loud are they? Tell yeah, us. Are they, are they loud or are they the quietest ever? Um. Anita's old schoolmate, Cruella DeVille, shows up determined to buy the puppies to become her one true love, Fur Coats. When she's denied, she hires Horace and Jasper, the archetype for henchmen everywhere, to kidnap the puppies. She also buys a ton herself for a total of 99 puppies living together in an abandoned house somewhere in Suffolk. Pongo and Purdy enlist the local gossip chain to find their puppies and race there to rescue them and the others from the clearly coked up Cruella who's determined to kill the puppies immediately to escape the police. They get the help of a sheepdog named Colonel and a tabby cat named Tibbs to break the puppies out and begin a very long journey with 99 children home to London, where Roger and Anita immediately adopt them all because they're rich after writing a hit song about a now criminal. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's the American dream. But in you London. All of, yeah, you have all of your children. You can actually take care of your children. You can bring in more children. And you're so successful that you can pay somebody else to inevitably clean up the 101 little dog shits that are going to appear in your house. It reminded me of a joke from the Muppet Christmas Carol where Sam the Eagle is giving a speech. And at the end, he says, it is the American way. And then Gonzo comes and whispers in his ear and he goes, it is the British way. <laughs> love that (laughs) me too we should do that we should do the muppet movies um 
I'm getting super ahead of myself, but um, <laughs> you normally have a question. I do have a question. Okay. And my question is, how how did this movie uh, relate to your childhood? Like, what was it like if, if you watched it when you were a kid? I, I did. This is one that I remember basically having my whole childhood. I don't remember exactly when we got it, um, but it is one that I had. And it's funny. We I think we talked about this a, a few times over the past couple of weeks where I said I didn't remember liking it or I remember being kind of boring and watching it again I remember why I liked it Mm -hmm. so I do remember watching it a lot and I remember liking it a lot especially the sort of beginning Mm. there's a few really exciting parts throughout but I do think that like some of the old movies this has a little bit of um very drawn out padding Mm -hmm. I think this could have been a one-hour movie and it would have been actually like brilliant because there's about 10 minutes of padding in here, about about 10 minutes too long of stuff. And this movie is one minute, um, 12 minutes with the credits or something like that. Uh, you mean an hour 12? <laughs> yep, sorry. It is a very short movie. It's a minute. <laughs> yeah, it's what we, we've covered the whole thing. It, yep, since it has a runtime of one hour and 19 minutes, which I watched it on the, the um, Disney Plus thing. And I don't think it ran that long, but that could also be including like extended credits or something that's no longer on a streaming release well actually when we think about the credits i timed it there were three minutes of credits in this movie which made mm-hmm. it feel like an anime like an opening that was three Super minutes long, long. Well, so well, i did i felt that that, that yeah. counts in the runtime though i'm just trying to figure out because i'm like i'm pretty sure that the disney plus version was not 79 minutes long but <clears throat> either way it doesn't you know if you cut 10 15 minutes if you cut this down to a one hour movie where like the film itself is one minute and I don't know what the other stuff is included in the run time in, but when the actual film itself and the end is about an hour, I think that this would have been absolutely perfect. I have to agree. I guess um, <clears throat> you'll have to go to Walt Disney's grave and tell him this movie needed to be 60 minutes long, exactly 60 minutes, just like Dumbo. Like you, you needed to tell yourself this movie had to be this exact sign stamp. <laughs> I don't think it's, a... it's not a terrible criticism of it. No. And it was relevant-ish filler. I will say it wasn't like some of the other ones where they're like, hey, how about these side characters that don't matter? And this movie was just like, how about if this scene went on for a little too long? And it's funny because some of the scenes that went on too long were sacrificed to cut some scenes that could have been longer. short. Well, I I do have another question. When you were a kid, did Mm -hmm. it make you want to get a Dalmatian puppy? Oh, I wanted a dog of any kind when I was little. So absolutely. So you were just desperate. <laughs> oh, yeah, I wanted I wanted a dog. I was never going to have one, but I wanted one. Yeah, well, that makes sense. Yeah, what about you? Uh, I genuinely can't remember my relationship with this movie as a kid. I definitely watched it. I definitely remember Cruella. For some reason, <laughs> I definitely remember Cruella, like some type of toy or something that I had maybe related to that. But hmm. I can't say that this was a, one of the Disney movies that was near and dear to my heart. I definitely didn't get Dalmatian fever like I think most kids did when they watched it. I think that's fair. Yeah. But what I did particularly enjoy and what I kind of continue to enjoy was the animation style behind it. Because uh, 101 Dalmatians is a very unique animation style that's going to be seen throughout the rest of um, Disney movies up until The Rescuers. So that's my kind of like awkward transition into 
talking about that. Um, so Disney started using uh, something called xerography, which if that word sounds familiar, it's 100% the basis of Xerox because it basically means that they were photocopying uh, their work. Uh, because Sleeping Beauty had been a financial failure, um, they ended up, like, the Disney studio itself ended up reducing uh, their staff from over 500 to less than 100 to Whoa. work on this film. So, yeah, that's a huge cut. That's, that's, that, wow. Yeah. So, kind of as a result, to try to save some money, they started using this new technology uh, to Xerox, essentially their rough sketches, um, and then add color. This meant that they didn't have to do separate line art for it. And according to Chuck Jones, uh, who you may recall from Looney Tunes, um, because of this, Disney was able to create the movie for about half the cost than Mm. if they had to animate all of the dogs and their spots like individually. So I personally, I actually really like this change because I think that it gives the Disney movies a little bit more uh, personality and dynamism, um, but it's definitely a lot rougher. Yeah, I'm reading in the wiki here that it says um, because of its limitations, the camera was unable to deviate from a black scratchy outline and lacked the fine lavish quality of hand inking. And I think that that might be like the most distinct Mm-hmm. difference i also noticed i don't know if this is going to be in all the movies in this time period and i feel like maybe not in um sword in the stone but i feel like this um movie's color palette is intentionally muted i noticed that too i noticed that too i was trying to figure out if that was supposed to be either a sign of the times or the fact that this movie takes place in november so it's like it's kind of colder out we're trying to make it feel colder with the color palette too yeah, I, I, mm, it's just interesting mm-hmm. again, because, you know, you're comparing it to, we just came off of Sleeping Beauty and Alice in Wonderland, which are a hundred colors each. Yeah. And then we head into this, which has a rougher style and a far more muted color palette. And again, I, I'm pretty sure that it has something to do with the having one fifth of your staff, but it's an interesting approach in, in all ways, but yeah, well, yeah. The, the approach actually seemed to pay off because 101 Dalmatians was a huge financial success for Disney. Um, so it did, I think, <laughs> help reinforce this process, I want to say. <laughs> um, this is also a movie that in general has been a huge success for Disney because I think it's had the most uh, like live action adaptations to it. So there's 101 Dalmatians in 1996, 102 Dalmatians in 2000, and Cruella from 2021. Those are all the live action sequels. Isn't there a planned um, Cruella 2? Oh, I would believe it. Yeah, I I feel like there is. Yeah, because Cruella was insanely popular. It was. I actually really liked it, but there's also no way that that movie and this movie can be canon together. I know they tried to make it work, but it just, it just can't. Yeah. And I still haven't seen the live action Cruella. So. Oh, you should. I actually think you'd like it. If for no other reason, I think you would very much enjoy all of the incredible fashion. And there's a lot of witty banter between the Emmas. That part I do quite, quite look forward to. Um, 
But I think the other like interesting thing animation wise about this movie is the way that they did the spots on all of the dogs. How'd they do that? So they apparent like animators apparently thought of the spot patterns as constellations. So they would basically have one anchor spot on the dog and in any given frame and then they would be able to figure out how the other spots need to relate to them so if you have a cluster of three spots you only choose like the biggest spot by the dog's neck or something like that and then they're able to kind of populate them throughout Mm -hmm. so according to uh one source that actually i guess counted all of the spots individually holy hell film has 6.5 million spots Oh my gosh. Is that okay? Is that at any one given time or is that total? I think that's total because it, it okay. states that uh, Pongo has 72 spots, Perdita has 68, and each puppy has 32. Okay. But it wow. is, that's a lot of bloody that's spots. A lot of spots. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, it makes sense, but it's one of those things that when people who are not interested in animation are watching a movie, I don't think about that. Mm-hmm. No, that's something that's I think always fascinating about animation is uh, how a lot of times character designs have to be simplified because you have to do all of the repetitive drawing. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't have people in really crazy outfits, which doesn't doesn't hold true when you're watching something like anime. But that's why we have like The Simpsons, Homer's in his very basic, easy to draw in any position outfit, so that it's very quick to do. Drawing a Dalmatian, that's insane. <laughs> Yeah, that's definitely a lot more, it's a lot more variation. And again, you know, from multiple angles with the unique spot pattern, it's always going to look different. Exactly. But Peter Griffin looks about the same all the way around because his outfit is completely symmetrical. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But speaking of spots, we do open this movie with like a seizure-rama with all of the dogs and the dots just like flashing in your face. I wrote down that I actually forgot that I love the credits. I think I also really like them as a kid. They're very jazzy. Yes. And it this now being older reminds me of not older, but like, you know, yeah, older. Um it reminds me of the uh, uh no, Monsters Inc. credits. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. I you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of Bewitched. Oh. Like, I think it was just like the animation style, it being kind of like late 50s, early 60s. Um, Like you said, very jazzy, cute, swinging opening. Mm-hmm. You, I loved it. I loved it. I did too. I really like it. I wrote, I forgot I love the credits. This is so fucking cute and fun. Yes. It is. It's fun. You just, it is, it is a little, it is very flashy and it is very like, ooh, that's happening. Um, but I, I, I enjoy it overall. I think it's really, really cute. And the, the music is speaking of jazz, quite upbeat and jazzy. It's not a lullaby. Like it's been for the past hundred years. Yeah. Yeah. That's another really, I think, interesting part about this movie too, because there's, there's a lot of music, but there's only three songs. There's only really one song. There's really only one song, but apparently there's um the Cruella Deville song, uh-huh. Canine Crunchies, which oh is yeah, the Canine the Crunchies song. jingle, and then Dalmatian Plantation in Wins- in oh, which there's yes. a couple lines at the very end that Rogers yes, sings, yes, but yes, that's yes. It. <laughs> <clears throat> 
yeah, this is this is light on the songs. There, this we're entering a Disney era of film that is rather light on songs. Mm-hmm. Well, here we yeah, Sword in the Stone is similar. It has a few, but again, not as many. Mary Poppins is different. Jungle yes. Books and Aristocats have moved have songs, but again, they're not quite as woven throughout in the same way. Neither does Robin Hood or Winnie the Pooh or the Rescuer. I'm reading all these titles. I don't think we start getting to like the super musical movies until Oliver and Company and The Little Mermaid. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And yeah. I, I do feel like 101 Dalmatians kind of pulls a um, Sleeping Beauty in that they're like, we have one song and we're going to repeat <laughs> this song until it gets stuck in your bloody brain. I do prefer that, I think over sleeping beauties yeah i don't hate sleeping beauties but let me just tell you something that um all the way back to snow white every once in a while i get that song one song stuck in my head the prince's song and i don't know why it's that one it's not any of the other ones and it's the overture from the beginning it's like every once in a while my brain just cues up the orchestra one two three like (laughs) stop Halt! Not this process. Not today. (laughs) No, it happens to me so much. I hate it. It's obnoxious. I don't. uh, Whatever. I I mean, I agree with that. Like, I, I got after we watched Sleeping Beauty every Mm -hmm. single day. I had um, Once Upon a Dream just play in my head as soon as I woke up, and I was like, no, no, not, not upon this dream that I just had last night. Absolutely not. I really need to get Cliff some noise canceling headphones for when we start getting into the musical ones. It's just... <laughs> That's just going to get annoying. Oh, you're going to be him. singing constantly. Yeah. And also he sleeps later than I do. And um, I like if this was a weekend, he'd probably just be getting up. I was watching this movie at eight in the morning. You know, can you imagine someone watching Beauty and the Beast at eight in the morning? <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, Yes, it's nine. Be on guest. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm going to get a cat thrown at me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but we do, uh, like you mentioned in your recap, mm-hmm. we pretty much go right to the introduction of Pongo, who oh, the film gosh. pulls the cute little thing of. <laughs> I, you know, I live in England with my pet Roger. Oh, that human that you're looking at is Roger. This is actually me, the dog talking. I'm so cool. He says, it's springtime, a tedious time of the year for bachelors. <laughs> um, he also, as you said, introduced us to Roger. We find out his name is Roger Radcliffe, and he is a musician of sorts. <laughs> yeah. He's mainly a fire hazard. Yes. Um, as I mentioned in my summary, Pongo looks to better his environment because if you look around, it is like, it is definitely bachelor pad clutter, but also he must've come from money because he has this, this, you know, house in the center of London, Mm -hmm. but it is absolutely full of just instruments and ashtrays and bottles and vintage porn. Yeah, and like newspapers, but the the vintage porn is very fun to spot. 
<laughs> yeah, well, because we linger on it and Pongo looks at it for a second because that's when he's like, I should find him a mate. But I don't really know what a pretty girl looks like. And he just kind of looks at the magazines like, huh. Hmm. And he says, dogs are a poor judge of human beauty. Aww. But he also describes Roger. I didn't write down the exact quotes, but he's basically like, yeah, he's not bad to look at, but I guess he's kind of a little boring. He's married to his work, you know. Yeah. He's not the worst thing ever, but he wasn't doing that thing where he's like, I just don't get why he's single. None of that. No, Pongo got exactly why he's single. <laughs> like, yes. Pongo understands. <laughs> he does. And now is when he starts uh, watching the, the parade go by. Yes, I loved this. Uh, mm-hmm. Pongo looks out the window and gets to see dogs and the owners who look like them. Yes, and I don't know all of the breeds. The first one, I think, is an Al- Al- Alpinch. Oh, my God. It starts with an A, I think, but it's got the very long fur. Yeah, yeah. And, he, um, and her owner has like a long coat and long hair, a very artist type, which as it turns out, she is an artist. Um, <laughs> I do like that we see these pairs throughout the movie, kind of. They make a little appearances. He calls them an unusual breed. That's mm-hmm. how he describes those two. And the next we see are a pug and kind of like a short curvy lady in a business suit. She kind of looked like Meriwether from Sleeping Beauty. He does look like Meriwether. Uh, He calls them short coupled. And the next is a very well-trimmed poodle and a very well-trimmed woman. (laughs) And he says, much too fancy after lingering on her purse for a second. (laughs) Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then we just see a few go by. One is like an old woman and her dog, too old, a little girl and a puppy, too young. And then he's like, ah, nothing. But then he spots the only other Dalmatian in all of London. <laughs> Pretty lucky that um, this Dalmatian's owner isn't unattractive. <laughs> what if it was like, a? well, I guess... I, I really love the, the animation and illustrated trope of uh, pets that look like their owners. That's always very fun. Um, mm. But yeah, what if instead of a thin, beautiful Anita, it was instead a lanky, tall man that looked like Roger? I would love that. Body. <laughs> I would love that too. I think it would be an adorable little gay, um, gay romance, but you know Disney would never allow that. But that was also my question. It's like, what if it was just like... I don't know, another guy. Because Roger has a Dalmatian, so clearly, like, white musician dudes in London are prone to having Dalmatians at that time. Maybe at the very least, Pongo would get a best buddy. And Roger would get a roommate. Oh, that might make the place worse. Oh, it might. Mm. But, like you said, lucky for Pongo and very lucky for Roger. Instead, it's a very attractive woman named Anita. And... Pongo uh, convinces Roger to get out of the house and to the park for walkies, but romantic walkies. Unbeknownst to Roger, a meet cute will happen. Pongo is 
very very positive <laughs> he is i think my favorite thing about pongo is that like i liked how lady was definitely a dog i'm like this is definitely a dog i'm remembering back to walking princess when she was a year and a half old and Lena when he was a year and a half old and just having them walking so fast they look like they're on a fucking mission they're dragging me behind them the leash is all seven feet long and i have gouges in my wrist by the time we're done and i'm just like what are you what well i guess they were attempting to get you to meet your soulmate but you just had to go and ruin these things and yeah let me tell you no i let them guide me half the time just because i was like what are you dragging me through like if it's that important let's go look and then usually ended up being nothing like dogs soulmate was there we just missed them i swear maybe we just need to keep going on walkies and we'll find them eventually I guess so. But that is definitely Pongo's mission. He he does see some of the other um, pairs. Yeah. He, yeah, he they get to the, the poodle, poodle I think. Them. Yeah. Yeah. He sees the poodle, and I know that he sees the... Um, what's it called again? The Frenchie. Yeah, yeah. I think they see the... What is this dog called? The Alp... Oh, my God. I know what you're talking about, and I cannot pronounce it. I'm very bad with dog breeds. But, I have no idea. But yeah, but they they do end up making the meet cute kind of awkwardly happen. Um, kind of, kind of, sort of. I mean, Roger uh, does end up meeting Anita, but it was partially because Pongo decided to take the initiative, be a little crazy, and basically um, sh- like wrap his uh, leash around both of them which causes them to fall over into a pond and get soaking wet. By the way, it's either a Saluki or an Afghan hound. Afghan hound. That was what I was trying to remember. Yeah, me too. That's why I was like, ah, 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 just aing all over the place. But yes, <laughs> Pongo uh, decides that after failing to get the two of them to actually meet, the next logical thing to do is tie them together at the knees with his leash. Yeah. Like yeah. His- to be fair, that is also an extremely dog thing to do, but it is usually an accident. <clears throat> yeah, it's usually because they're just so excited. Yeah, they're like, oh my god, what's happening? Oh no! <laughs> oh, whoops, I might as well just drown my owners now. Yeah, that's the thing. He he tangles them up, and as he, as he himself says here, um, I had no particular plan. And that is evident when they end up in the pond. Yeah, but luckily both of them appear to have a sense of humor because it does end up with them laughing and then cut to getting married, which causes Pongo and um, Herdy, Herdita to marry as well. And then cut to, I don't know, maybe about a month later when they have puppies. I w- All I was going to say about Anita being in the pond, though, is that I can see why she started off mad, though, because she was talking about how this was a new suit and hat. And in yeah. the 50s, they didn't have mass production in the same way as we do now. So purchasing a new suit and hat would have been a pretty big deal, especially in spring. It was probably very expensive and her one or two new clothing items for the season. And probably wool, probably About made of a that. not very good washable fabric. Yeah, A natural fabric that, as Gally was saying, has to be washed very nicely and delicately. So, of course, she is upset she can't just go to zara and get a new one (laughs) yeah but i also get the feeling that anita is very well off i do as well 
Like, both of these are very upper middle class white people from London. Even though they're living modestly, it seems kind of like they're like me, where you can always ask your mom and dad. Potentially, yeah. Maybe they're all trust fund babies. (laughs) Maybe. I don't know what it is. But to be fair to them, they are living like pretty, like she moves into Roger's place. It's the same place. Um, Cleans it up so it actually looks big now. (laughs) You can actually see it's a proper townhouse. He moves all his shit in the attic. Well, does she clean it or does Nanny, Nanny their housekeeper, clean it? Somebody, a woman's touch was added to a bachelor pad is where I'm going with this. Absolutely. Absolutely. It is no longer a bachelor pad. It is now a shared home. Yes. I love Nanny. I, she is my favorite. She's so into this job and her family. She is the polar opposite of Aunt Sarah from Lady in the Tramp. Yes. She is exactly anti, um, anti, anti Sarah, <laughs> anti anti, <laughs> anti Sarah, anti Sarah, anti um, Sarah. I love that. Excuse me. Roger has a melody, which is fine. I don't know how other people write songs. For me, I don't do a whole lot of songwriting where I like get it down somewhere. But if I come up with a song, sometimes it usually starts with a melody for me. So I'm like, okay, but I don't, it doesn't take me a hundred years to come up with lyrics. And I love that his solution is, oh, your friend's coming over. I'm going to sing the loudest song about how awful she is using her full legal name. Yeah. Well, I mean, she has a pretty amazing full legal name. She does, but like he would get sued so fast. Don't do that. Especially if the woman in question is actually Cruella DeVille. Do you think that Cruella, if she heard this song, actually took it as a compliment because she's like, I'm such a bad bitch and doesn't realize how terrible she is and just pays attention to the fact that her name's being sung? Probably yes, but I think she'd eventually start listening to the rest. I guess that would be the hope. But yeah, Cruella shows up and... Out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. Okay, so... Oh, she also brings a whole thunderstorm with her. She does. She is a thunderstorm. She's also just like... um, She is just all fur coat, too. Yeah, that's... She's fur coat and toothpick. Yes, 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 yes. But she's the other mother. She's the other mother, one hundred percent. But do you? Um, I really would love to know, and and maybe this is because I haven't watched the Cruella movie. But how the fuck did Anita and Cruella keep in touch after school? What was their relationship as schoolmates? Because Cruella does look like a cracked out, much much older person do you want me to quickly go through the uh the the plot of cruella i have seen i have seen cruella i've yeah, seen it several well, times actually yeah i think at least answering that question what's the deal with their like what is this relationship that we don't get insight into until 2021 <laughs> um so the thing about the movie cruella as i think we figured out by now is that it is it, <sighs> It really redoes the backstory for Cruella. And that, you know, in Cruella's character here in 101 Dalmatians, as it is, you don't really have a character for her. This is her character. She's this crazy woman that blows in and out of places and just leaves. She's Um, Patsy from Absolutely Fabulous. Sure. 
I've never seen that. Um, but in Cruella, it gets way more complicated. It turns into a thing. She, the, a baby is born. Her, her name is Estella. But her mom gives her the nickname of Cruella when she's being mean. So that's okay. where that comes from. Okay. Um, and she wants to be a fashion designer, Estella. And she wants to study under this woman named the Baroness. Gets closer to her and discovers that the Baroness is her birth mother. And her birth mother killed her adopted mother. So it turns into oh. a revenge story in that way. Uh, where Cruella kidnaps the Baroness's Dalmatians. And pretends, <laughs> pretends though, in this movie, to make a fur coat out of them. Now, the two of them do meet in school... And they kind of just keep in touch in that way that every few years you might just bump into somebody. Like when Estella drops in on Anita at work, Anita's mm-hmm. a journalist. Anita is not shocked. I mean, she's a little surprised to see her, but not in the way where it would be if someone from 30 years ago came to see you. Where if you just like weren't expecting her to be there now. But maybe you were just kind of expecting her to turn up because she just kind of does. Okay. That's that's such a weird relationship. It is, but it also, it makes a little bit more sense when it goes into that fashion designer thing where it's like, Anina's a journalist. She keeps up with the fashion beat. Estella wants to be in fashion. So they keep in touch because they both like fashion, blah, 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 fashion. But they, she's a minor character. They clearly are not like besties. They're they're just friends, but the movie ends with Anita receiving Perdita as a gift from Cruella. Cruella, Cruella, Cruella. Well, that is okay. That is very much them trying to to do a weird anti-hero spin on Cruella. Yeah, and they they it's one of those things where, as you said, everything is so meta, and everything needs to be kind of like explained away now. Where, um. Uh, they steal a car to borrow and it's um it's a deville um and someone is like watch the deville it's like horace or jasper yells that out and she's like deville i like that (laughs) it's like she acquires the manor hell it's called hellman hall um from the baroness Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the end of the movie, she removes the man from it. So now it's hell hall. Like all these things where it's like, look, look, see, this is where it comes from. See, see, let us try to wrap this up in a neat little package. Please. It, yeah. And it's, an, I actually liked Cruella. I did. But as I said, there is no way that that Cruella turns into this one. Because yeah. Cruella age wise also doesn't match up. This Cruella cannot actually be Anita's schoolmate unless she has been on drugs her entire life. She looks so much older. That's that was my thing too. Like that's something that I completely forgot about in when watching this movie originally because I thought that Cruella was like an aunt or some other type of older relation. Like a family friend? Yeah, not Anita's peer. Mhm. <laughs> Which is what she actually is in the movie. Yes. So, and, uh, in Cruella they do look like peers so it makes far more sense well they also can't like they can't really turn emma stone into a bit of a crack whore no that might be tough. 
but it was it's it's a very different character yeah it's the same it's the same complaint that I have currently, which everyone says is going to get better. And for for anyone else, I mean, I have only seen episode one of the Ahsoka show so <laughs> far, and I did not in any way believe that those characters are the same characters that I watched through Clone Wars and Rebels. They're so I have, different. I have not yet watched watched Ahsoka. We're waiting for it to fully be released, and then we can That's just kind of as well. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I yeah, I don't know how I feel about kind of origin stories for things that maybe are tough to explain i like tough I mean, to retcon yes and we were talking about this briefly with maleficent and sleeping beauty now hmm. i've also seen maleficent but it's been a while so i couldn't like talk about the plot in the same way i was like i kind of remember the plot of cruella i've seen it somewhat recently yeah but it's not that it's a bad movie it's just sort of like i don't know that that version of the character turns into this one and I think in the Maleficent movies, they even outright show that not happening. I didn't see the second Maleficent, but like, I think she and Aurora like meet or team up or they're like not total enemies or something. And it's like, you've, they've just gone off on their own thing now. I think it was something like Maleficent, like took care of Aurora for a little bit. Like she was a babysitter or something. I don't, something I, like it's that. been a while too, since I saw yeah. that, but, but yeah, I'm with you there. I, 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 and I also really love Cruella. Like the character. Yeah, she's she so very entertaining. Yes, I like how she only visits for puppies. Yeah, she literally shows up and is like, when is my doggy having puppies? When is my doggy having puppies? I yeah. need those puppies. Don't ask why, but I need them. Oh, and she also comes in and assaults the shit out of Roger and Anita in their home to their faces. So I feel like this might now be an appropriate time uh, for me to bring up the only song that I was even thinking about you singing, right. which is, of course, Cruella DeVille. I like it because Roger does that thing where he sings before and after she's there, Mm -hmm. but doesn't quite have the confidence to do it while she's in the house. Yeah. (laughs) Like, okay. Like everybody who has some type of significant other does. There's some people that y'all are going to talk bad about that. They have no idea that you're talking bad about and you want to hide it but you also want to give your partner that knowing look like yeah you remember that joke i made about this person but you can do that if the joke doesn't involve their name he wove okay i'll do the first couple the first verse at least of this and it has her name so many times i was like you can't do this as a joke without naming her none of the verses can be done i i'm looking through them right now and even the one that doesn't have cruella deville in it has cruella in it Mm -hmm. Come on. Let's see. He starts it off. He goes, that's it. I've got my song. Because that's how you do things. Yeah. Cruella de Vil. Cruella de Vil. If she doesn't scare you, no evil thing will. To see her is to take a sudden chill. Cruella, Cruella her yeah. name is an inherent part of this song you it's can't like, sing it around her without her knowing <laughs> yeah you'd have to come up with a different name for it and i can't think of anything off the top of my head but apparently in disneyland itself um uh the mad hatter 
will actually sing this song in a game of musical chairs, but just change the words to Alice Deville to <laughs> criticize Alice. I didn't think that the uh, Hatter or the hair particularly disliked Alice, but I guess we're learning some some tea. So, I mean, uh, in Disneyland, the character actors like to always like play around. So I think that that might be what it is. But that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. But it also like, again, brings to mind like, wait, how are you aware of this? location how look maybe we need our uh disney live action backstory film to understand how the mad hatter is even aware of cruella Deville's existence yeah that's a great question yeah or maybe cruella just went on a crazy acid trip and also met the mad hatter and maybe. they hooked up for a little bit and that explains why cruella is this she went mad Drugged up. yeah because yes. she runs in talking Yes. extremely fast and i don't i didn't write down everything she said but at one point in time um she's basically she turns to anita and says sweet simple anita this horrid little house is your dream castle and then she laughs for about 25 seconds uh yeah i feel like at that point i'd probably be like uh well get out of my house then if it's so offensive yeah. to you right <laughs> I wrote what how much coke is she actually on she is talking so fast and just smoking the cigarette yes well judging by the way her nose is designed where it's like upturned and she has no like real nasal bridge she's been doing a lot of cocaine we say like we're joking but it's like in all seriousness like she is rail thin she talks a mile a minute she is constantly smoking and she has incredibly ridiculous ideas yes exactly Instead of getting a white fur coat and just dyeing it like black spots or something. No, no, no. We need to kidnap the one friend I have's 15 puppies, which I don't, which I'm pretty sure she'll notice. Right. Well, she not even says that. She even like asks, she's like, when are these puppies going to be ready? I'm looking forward to my puppies. She's like, very she insistent. Assumes. Yeah. She just yes. assumes they're hers. Uh, but up until this point, we don't know, admittedly, what she's intending to do. So for all intents and purposes, we don't know what she's up to. <laughs> yeah. But when she leaves, and the way Roger's referring to her, he keeps on about the song about how she's like the most evil thing ever. At this point in time in their history, what has she done? Right. Right. That's, again... I would like to know more about their actual background and not Disney trying to make Cruella cool. But no, that's just me. Yes. It. Let's see. I looked it up. And okay, though, is this actual? It says that in the actual first novel, she was depicted as a pampered and glamorous London heiress <laughs> um, and a fashion designer. So that's this incarnation of her has been a fashion designer for a while. I think that in this incarnation, though, the word fashion designer has to be taken with a grain of salt. Maybe. <laughs> but I mean, that uh, satin or silk slip dress is is kind of a look. It is it like, I mean, I don't totally disagree with her look, but mm, yeah. But speaking of looks, one thing that I was really wondering was how huge was Purdy if she had 15 puppies inside of her? How is she walking? Yeah, because we don't really see what she looks like fully pregnant. I guess they didn't want to draw a pregnant dog. 
Because all of the scenes of her talking to Pongo are kind of like zoomed in on her face a little bit. She's crouched down under the stove or she just has her head in the window. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, eh, we don't really want to figure this out. But I, I will say, apparently, Dalmatians can have uh, 15 puppies per litter. Like, that's that's the maximum. There's just so many puppies, but... So many puppies at the at the at the birth why is roger so nervous you see roger sitting in a chair puffing on his pipe like his life depends on it apparently roger also could like like they did a weird thing where they're like oh no only the women must be in the delivery room the men must stay outside very traditional yeah it was weirdly traditional for a puppy birth (laughs) (laughs) yeah but it happens yeah the birth the birth happens um nanny keeps coming in to give the men the good news about how many dogs appear uh and we get to 15 puppies and then poor nanny comes back and says it's only 14 yes has one wrapped up it's okay though because roger's apparently a miracle worker like I don't exactly understand. I will also say that sometimes when, you know, kittens or puppies are born, especially when they're multiples like this, some can be a little like squished or what have you. So it could have been a case of like just needing to stimulate the blood flow, get the air going. But what I don't understand what the problem was exactly. But Roger puts this dog in between his hands. Um, I'm all wrapped up too, like a little, wrapped- little puppy burrito. burrito. Yeah. yeah, I'm demonstrating for Gally, even though she knows what I'm talking about. And then he just vigorously rubs the top of it. And I'm trying to think of any instance in which either of my dogs would enjoy this or what condition they might have that this may help. Yeah, it's like, was the pup stillborn? And he's like, well, maybe I can electrocute it back to life by rubbing it this quickly. Yeah. Or did it just get like suffocated during birth slightly? I have its air, like its air cut off and it just needed more air. It doesn't. I don't know, but all of a sudden, it's moving again. And that was that was, of course, a very happy little scene because Pongo oh. Dick gets to do a little boop with his last little runt of the litter. Lucky, teeny tiny puppy. Lucky, teeny um, tiny puppy. Lucky. They seem really excited about the prospect of having seventeen dogs. Um, Who are these people? I don't know, but two is a lot. Like we have t- the two here. It's a lot dogs is is more than enough and they're like yes we need more puppies we apparently uh, need enough to take us elsewhere like <laughs> what is this yeah i don't an army of dogs an army of dogs and another thing that doesn't make any sense to me at all is where the hell did cruella come from once again she just there she just appears do you do you think that Cruella being being the coke addict that she is just spends a lot of time standing outside of their house just staring in and they just don't notice because yeah she really does she she also slithers the way that she moves is very slithery which is kind of funny but it also is clompy because she's wearing heels yeah it's a weird slither clomp it's very odd she does she appears and she's like excellent now i can buy all your puppies that literally just got born right she's like i'll pay for them all cash up front um when can i leave their mom yeah and they're like no uh no these these aren't for sale and 
Cruella actually gets offended by them refusing her imposing request. Well, she gets offended by Roger refusing her. She ignores Anita's refusing. She just like doesn't believe her. Mm-hmm. But I love it. Roger stands up and stands up to Cruella and he stutters through it. And you can tell that he's scared, which I appreciate. And I like that she gets right up in his face and does that thing where she's like, basically like, what did you say? And he's like, I, I, I no, that's just, no, no, no. Yeah. But, but I, I love that her response to that was we're through like, yes. like this is your guys's problem that you refuse me. And such a great loss for them. Yeah. But <laughs> luckily uh, Cruella leaves temporarily and we get to see Purdy attempt to nurse 15 puppies, which that's a lot of nipples. That's so many. There's always going to be at least almost half of them. Not not getting it. Yeah, they're not going to be fed. But I guess somehow this works out because we then cut to uh, the puppies aging a little bit. So the puppies were born in October and then the rest of this movie takes place in November. So they've been been around for about a month Uh, and they age enough. (laughs) They definitely age enough. They are not being malnourished. They're not they're not having their nutrition withheld. Mm-mm, not at all. And they're getting a healthy diet of TV, too, because they're all the whole doggy family is hanging out watching TV with good old Lucky trying to block the view by standing up. Yeah, um, I love this Western lassie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I love that there's like a show on that is just John Wayne, the lassie dog, just such a much much better idea for a show yeah i love this dog tv i'd watch this i would not watch the commercial at the end though well it's not for us no i do have to say though that watching this just reminded me that watching tv with children is exhausting oh my god yes i i wrote that these are very tolerant but exhausted parents Mm mm-hmm but they not only are they exhausted by just having to take care of 15 puppies but is it Rolly? is Rolly the the tubby one yes yeah Rolly just constantly says i'm hungry that's his only personality trait that's really his only personality trait let's continue the animated personality trait of anybody who is a plus size or fat character can only talk about how hungry they are that's and how much they, they like food. in life yeah, yeah it's only food but they eventually get the kids to bed and decide to go on a walk. And this is when the chaos begins. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is when we get the wet bandits. I mean, Jasper and Horace breaking <laughs> in. Yeah. And I don't know how, but they basically overpower Nanny. And that's not the part that I don't understand how about. Get 15 puppies out silently in a bag. I I wanted to know that, too. And I do want to to mention one line that Jasper said that I thought was very funny. Yes, please. Uh, Now look here, Horace. I warned you about thinking. Yes. That's a a great line. And and like you were saying in your summary, like Jasper and Horace are 100% the template for so many British, like, (laughs) evil hairs or even like... (laughs) 
kind of a hot fuzz situation where you get mm-hmm. kind of your taller, slightly more intelligent folk with your dumber, slightly fatter friend, I guess. Friend, loose word. Yeah. But yeah, it's exactly that. And, and they somehow, once again, managed to silently kidnap 15 puppies out of a house. Yeah. <laughs> I And just abscond with them. Anita and Roger get back and are like, where did all of our puppies go? And we find out about this via newspaper update. I think it would be pretty big news if they were the only ones that had 15 puppies. But this is also London, where I feel like a lot of bigger things are happening. Yeah, but it's front page news. And we get the story via Cruella reading it to us from her bed. (laughs) And then she comments on the photo of Anita and Roger, and she's talking about Roger. She says she calls him Anita's bashful Beethoven, and then through fits of giggles says, pipe and all, as she smokes her way through her cigarette, which I find tremendously fun. That's so not aware. <laughs> like, <laughs> not self-aware whatsoever. <laughs> exactly. But... I do also understand that Roger just wants justice for his puppies. It's very true. And Cruella decides to twist the knife by calling Roger and Anita. <laughs> you, you villain. <laughs> exactly. And Roger is so mad. He he knows. He's mad about it. He steals the phone from Anita and just yells, where are they? <laughs> where are they? <laughs> where is he? Like Batman. Where is he? show yourself but Um, i think once again the human world fails animals because they can't they can't find the puppies on their own and thankfully we have doggy sos to to help with that why didn't they enact the twilight bark earlier i wanted to know that too right like i would have done that in tandem it would have been like the humans are trying but we should too yeah and i was did you have a vision when they were talking about the twilight bark of uh lighting the towers of gondor no but now i do because <laughs> that's what it felt like <laughs> i was getting more of the um the song from bye bye birdie where they're all on the phone mm-hmm, mm-hmm. hi alice hi mary <laughs> yeah this is, this kind of is that isn't it that's what I was getting, but um, yeah, they go and start the Twilight Bark, which is just, you know, tapping into the local gossip chain and letting everyone yell about it in the streets. And we get to see some old favorites. We see um, Peg in the pet store window along with Bull from Lady and the Tramp. Mm-hmm. And out on the street, we see Lady, Tramp, and in a yard, I believe we see Jock. Yeah, Jock was one of the ones that like started this call. Yes, he yells up a drain pipe. Um, we then see, um, the Afghan hound, whom I love, Prissy. I mentioned that the dogs from the beginning all come back in a various way. She sticks her head out a window and starts barking. Um, you can see her like posing for her, um, her owner's painting. Mm-hmm. And then the dog owner yells like, Prissy, get back in here and yanks her in. And then you just see her run under the easel and knock the whole painting over and shove her head out another window and keep barking. This is too important, <laughs> owner. You do yes. not understand. I really just like that. Prissy, be quiet. And then kabam. 
Yeah. I Art goes I, flying. I really loved as we continue to see these doggy barks, like, continuing throughout London. There's mm-hmm. one scene where you basically just see London town and them just bark, bark, barking. And you just hear one lone man screaming, will you be quiet? <laughs> to a, a crowd of dogs that has a poodle on a car roof. Like, this is not a crowd to be contained. Yeah. No, the dogs are taking over. You might just want to bow down to your new canine overlords at this point. <laughs> yeah, Dog Gritty is about to come and stomp you. You might just want to get back inside. So I'm really glad that even in this day and age, uh, the dogs had free long distance doggy phone because this bark reaches out into the boonies, basically, of England, um, where we get to see a goose and a bloodhound. For those of us who don't know English geography, I googled the distance between London and Suffolk. Mm-hmm. It's about 100 miles. That's a long way. ways away. It's extremely far. This isn't the next county. This is quite far. Um, but yeah, it reaches all the way out there. And I think his name is Towson, the Bloodhound. That so sounds I'm right. Sure about. Um, yeah, Towser. Towser. And Towser is the one who says, well, it's time to let the colonel know. And I want to know, what is this military barn? Because the first person in the barn to hear it is the captain, a horse, who wakes up the sergeant, a cat, to go fetch the colonel, a dog, to receive the message. Yes, yes. And you are, like, we were talking about this before the pod, too. The colonel... That that's his name is just the colonel. Yeah, I think that the horse is also just named the captain. The sergeant has a name. It's Sergeant Tibbs. Sergeant that's his name. Yeah, he has a name. Sergeant Tibbs, who is truly holding the whole operation together. Yes, he is. <laughs> um, but they need the colonel because the colonel's the one that obviously speaks dog. Yeah. <laughs> I and it's. This was something that I was very curious about because it seemed like the colonel is the only one who speaks dog, but Sergeant Tibbs has dealt with him enough that he's like, I'm going to second guess whatever you're you're like uh, translating from dog speak to make sure we're not missing the conversation. Because uh, the colonel kind of responds like, oh, this is what's happening. But Tibbs is like, are you sure? Did you hear that right? He seems to actually speak dog, too, because at one point when they're translating, uh, Colonel's like, 99 spotted puddles stolen. And Tibbs is like, it sounded like puppies. Yeah. Just, yeah. just, just saying. It seems like, it seems like the animals uh, can understand each other when they essentially speak common. But these dog SOS barks are very specific to dog. But apparently some cats understand it, too. Well, I guess cats that hang out with a dog long enough. Yeah, which Sergeant Tibbs has definitely led a hard, hard life having to be at the colonel's whims. But he takes pride in it. He is the most loyal ranked member. And I kind of love Tibbs. I love Tibbs. I do as well. Tibbs is great. He's the one who is like, hey, I happen to hear puppies barking up at that old abandoned house. And Colonel ignores him. He goes, no, but really, we should check it out. And then the captain, the horse, points out that there's smoke coming from the chimney. So the colonel and the sergeant go to investigate. I loved this version of Homeward Bound. (laughs) It was so much more wholesome and happy, honestly. It 
it ended up pretty good. Nobody got flung off of a cliff. Oh, no, I guess that was Milo and Otis, wasn't it? Oof. I'm trying to remember my live action animal movies. And, and I forget. Was it Someone Homeward does. Bound where they threw him out? No, a cat falls over a waterfall. Yeah. And I couldn't remember if that was Milo and Otis or Homeward Bound where that That's happened. Homeward Bound. Yeah. Cat goes over a waterfall and Homeward Bound. Yeah. I like my animal adventures with less abuse. Same. That one was very sad. I watched it a lot, though. Me too. Um, we didn't know any better. We did not. But they, they go investigate... Tibbs finds a way, he finds a little, a hole just like big enough for a cat, basically, and goes in and he finds 99 puppies. Oh my god. He finds a living room that is full of 99 puppies. They're all quiet. A television and Jasper and Horace. And I have to ask you, how bad must that room have smelt? Awful. These puppies are not trained whatsoever. No, this is too many puppies for that kind of condition. It must have been. And also, there's no way it would have been that quiet at any time with a hundred animals. Yeah. No way. But brave Mr. Tibbs is like, hey, uh, do you all need rescuing? Or I heard there's some puppies in here. Are you the ones that uh, need rescuing? And luckily, we can identify the actual 15 animals by um their collars like the ones that are actually uh matter to anita and roger and their proximity to the television set (laughs) oh yeah oh these uh these puppies have grown up with the boob tube yeah they're going to be closer to the tv i'd like to call attention to what they're watching uh a little bit later on so at first they're watching like a little dancing uh flower cartoon um well do you know uh... what that dancing flower cartoon is Yes and no. I do, okay. but I can't identify where it's from. It's um, it's actually from Disney's Silly Symphonies cartoon, Springtime. Thank you. That's also <laughs> where that uh, dancing skeleton gif comes from, if I remember correctly. Spooky, scary skeletons? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. They're watching that, and Jasper is <laughs> drinking like a mad person. He's just drinking a bottle of wine straight from the bottle. To the point where he doesn't realize that he eventually picks up a cat. Yeah, because Tibbs, being a cat, is pushing his luck and being like, how close could I get? Because he's, he's trying to, well, he was able to get, like, all of the puppy's attention except for Lucky, right? Um, I think I'm getting a couple of these things mixed up because there's kind of, like, two incidents. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If I think correctly, well yes so they discover tibbs this time and chase him out of the house yeah that's it and that's when he reports back to the colonel because the colonel getting couldn't get into the house and the colonel starts the reverse bark back mm-hmm. to london and that's when pongo and purdy decide to run away to suffolk to find their puppies i was like why am i running these together in my brain it's no because, you're right yeah, you're right yeah. Tibbs runs out of the house then we go back in and they have an interaction with Cruella. And this is where they're watching the TV program I want to talk about, which is called What's My Crime? And it's a variation on, oh, is this What's My Line? Or is this like Mystery Guest? I suddenly forgot the name of the show. I don't remember those old shows, but this is such a like British thing to just have a panel show. <laughs> I remember that a uh, version of this, not with criminals taking place in the United States, but it was celebrities. But yeah, they basically bring in this guy. This is the show uh, that Jasper and Horace are watching. 
and the panel have to try to guess his crime by asking yes or no questions. And if they don't, then they get a vacation after their sentences are up. Yeah, and the the criminal that they brought in looked like a cousin of Tweedledee and Tweedledum. He must have yes. been another Tweedle. Uh, yes, um, Tweedle disowned. Tweedle disowned, yes. <laughs> but, so that's what they're watching. Um, and Corella comes in and is basically like, the police are all over this, obviously. So we need to kill these dogs immediately. Otherwise, we're going to get in a huge bunch of trouble. And these guys really want to finish their TV show. So Cruella snatches Jasper's bottle and throws it in the fireplace and it explodes. Yeah, don't uh, don't hurt any of your precious, precious furry puppies with your fire, with your arson. <laughs> <clears throat> and then, yeah, she blows up the place. But it's a really good distraction because Mr. Tibbs has come back and is getting all the puppies one by one to escape through the little little escape hatch where he's come in yeah and and i think the i do think that this all kind of blended together because i have the same uh-huh. like thing with my notes because it's basically chaos like it's totally tibbs, tibbs is able to mostly get the puppies to weirdly line up and silently exit through this hole but like you were saying tibbs gets discovered um and again again and chaos ensues and there is a moment where Tibbs runs across a piano, and I just want to point out this piano had a cake on it. A it had a whole cake, cake with yeah. one slice missing. This happened from the first instance. Yeah. Okay, that's it. Like my notes also get confused. Yeah, I had to remember that there was two instances: the first one where Tibbs comes in and discovers all these puppies, and the mm-hmm. second where he comes in and liberates them. And we are yes. now in the liberation front. Yes, and this is also the point where, where when you were mentioning that uh, Cruella came in and like she slapped Jasper and all of that yes. stuff, I wrote that she was basically mom from Futurama. <laughs> yeah, she comes in and explodes the fireplace and slaps them both and then yells at them about how she'll kill them and leaves. Yep, sounds like mom. Yep, and then Jasper and Horace discover that the puppies have gone and they go to look for them upstairs. And I absolutely love Tibbs's approach which is just overrun them with puppies because they don't try to attack or anything it's just a hundred animals 99 dogs and a cat just trample down these adult men and run down the stairs that's their escape plan i mean power in numbers right it works i mean it does mostly they're they're running around the house but eventually horace and jasper manage to corral them into a room and cut off their access Mm -hmm. but it's okay because the reverse bark that caused pongo and purdy to leave they've managed to arrive at hell hall yeah which you talking about how this is like a hundred miles away um that's a hell of a quick dog journey i just that's why i'm like i don't know how long it took for this like how long this took place this must have taken place over the course of about a month or so because you said they left in november and they come back at christmas so they've been gone a while by this time but pongo and purdy just mr and mrs smith their way through the window and attack horace and jasper i didn't take very good notes in this spot because I. i was basically just reacting to what was going on same um 
And I, I oh, I did write ninety nine fucking dogs could take Jasper and Horace, but fire and a house collapse will also work. It's true, and that gives them all ninety nine uh, puppies and two adults and a cat time to get out. Mm-hmm. And this, they return to the military base where the colonel tells them just <laughs> get going. And we'll do what we can. And Horace and Jasper get to the barn and come in swinging at the colonel. And I wrote down that Jasper calls him a barking haystack. (laughs) He's a long for cheap dog. Jasper and Horace are impervious to pain. Maybe they're also on the tons of drugs like Cruella is. And that's why like they they can just kind of be immortal because it's amazing Mm -hmm. what they survive here. Yeah, they also, Mr. Tibbs, I love the firing mechanics of a horse, uh, <laughs> aims and fires horse kicks at Horace and Jasper using the ears of the captain. Exactly. Yeah. And I've never been kicked by a horse. I have been accidentally stepped on by a horse. It is not fun. That must hurt a lot. And as you're saying, impervious to pain, they immediately get right back on and continue their search for these puppies, despite both being bodily kicked by a horse. Yeah, if you are kicked by a horse um, and you walk away without any broken anything, ribs, internal bleeding or whatever, that was a gentle tap from a horse. Like the way this horse kicked them, they they should have been collapsed. (laughs) Yes, but... Yeesh. They just continue on their journey, and finally, Pongo and Purdy realize that they're being tracked via the tracks they're leaving in the yeah snow. in the snow. Yeah, yeah. So they run down onto the frozen river and hide under a bridge. And Horace mentions to Jasper, "It's like, hey, do you think they might have gone down there to disguise their tracks?" And Jasper yells at him. Dogs ain't that smart. And I want to tell you that he is both right and wrong because dogs, as we see, can do some very smart stuff, but they can also be incredibly dumb. Yes. In real life? Yes. Probably right. In this universe, very wrong. Correct. And I, again, would like to draw attention to the fact that they have to go 100 miles with 99 children. I wrote, how do these puppies have so much stamina? Because there's there's no way that when they were in Hell Hall, they were being fed properly or taken care of or anything. No. But they, and yet we see them next just shoving through a snow, like the driving snow. And they're about to keep walking when a collie comes running for them and tells them that they, you know, there's a barn, like go to the barn and rest inside. Yeah. And, and I wrote luckily- down. Mm-hmm. Oh, go on. <laughs> I just wrote down um this dog network is amazing. That dog network is amazing. Um but yeah, the the border collie invites them into his farm. Oh, it's a regular collie. Or just was it a regular collie? collie? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Your standard collie, your standard issue collie. Um <laughs> invites them into his barn uh where there's a couple of cows that offer the puppies to drink from the teat of friendship. And they are happy to do so. And they're very happy to do so. This is how the puppies actually get any type of sustenance. Possibly the first time in weeks. (laughs) Yeah, we don't know how long, but they're finally eating. And the collie brings over like a couple of pieces of bread and some sandwich meat. And he's like, hey, these are some scraps that I kept aside for you guys. 
open for a full-on sandwich. Like that collie stole that sandwich from their owner. Yes, but I it's it's such a it's really cute when you think about it, where it's like they heard this family in need was coming and they're like, What what do we have? What can I take? <laughs> yeah. What can we exactly like all right, I'll grab this. It'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, well, like you said, the dog network is so much better than a human network. Yeah, because as they're leaving, uh, or as they're when at the end of the scene, the the collie tells him it's like your next stop is a Labrador. Yeah, like he, like they have a network ready. It's not like all right, go this way and hope you get home. He's like, no, no, no. There, there's a route. Mm-hmm. Follow it, and they find this Labrador. Yes, he's such a good boy. He is this such Labrador a good boy. is like, let me let me lead you. Let me lead the rest of the way. But they. They find, or I guess he's like, let me hook you up with a car on the way back to London. I yeah, think that's it. he comes to meet them with the best news of their lives, which is, I have a ride for all of you back home. Yeah, but they are, so where, do, do you recall where they were hiding mm. with the Labrador? They they seem to be in a warehouse of some kind. I remember the collie mentioning that the lab's owner is a grocer. Mm-hmm. but it looks like they're getting into a movie truck that's what i was truck. thinking too that's what i was thinking too but yeah, yeah so the the puppies in the labrador are all held up in this um storage shed or storage yeah storage yeah. unit, something like that and we do see cruella and jasper and horace catching up to them they found them they found them and pongo sees two of his kids coming to tattle on each other because they pushed each other in the soot and notices that they're covered they've covered their spots that's that's also been the giveaway so he decides that everyone is going to roll around in soot and they're going to be labradors and i don't is this racist in the dog world (laughs) is it blackface is that what you're asking the labrador seems fine with it so i'm gonna go ahead and i'm guessing it's not because the labrador actually seems happy about it i think that this would this is going to be a very strange comparison but i think that this is the equivalent of uh rolling around in dead zombies so that the live quote-unquote live zombies don't notice you Hmm. like you're just you're camouflaging yourself like is really what it is so i think it's a little bit different it's not a like joanna man situation where they are purposely trying to make themselves act like labradors and look like labradors well pongo says i'm a labrador we'll all be labradors yeah, but I think in terms of like a camouflage thing is what he's referring to. I, but it is a Labrador good question. See, yes, I, I don't know, but the Labrador seems okay with it. The Labrador seemed cool with it, which, I mean, neither you nor I are Labradors, so we can't really no. speak on behalf of Labradors. But if you are a Labrador and you're listen to, listening to us right now, tell us, would a Dalmatian rolling in suit to look like you be considered dog blackface? Or is it completely acceptable in this kind of case because you are rescuing children? This is very true, too. Weigh in. (laughs) Or work, 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 work. (laughs) So with the help of this Labrador, the three adults do a few runs of puppies back and forth between the moving van and what I've looked up to now be a blacksmith shop, which has so many broken windows, it cannot be a functional one. Oh, that's a bad blacksmith. Agree. Um... But just as they're leaving, what gives them away? Oh, snow starts falling on some of the puppies and it washes the soot off. Yes. So 
this was such a an amazing scene to me because they basically do take like 15 dogs at a time in yeah. a row to, to hop on there. And each round, Cruella is like circling the um the town in her car. So yep. she's still seeing like a huge amount of dogs. A massive amount of dogs. And doesn't think anything of it. Like, oh, this must be uh my best friend uh Dave DeVille and his 99 black labs that he's planning on turning into a coat or something. I better leave right. those ones alone. Right. What is this town of a million dogs? Right. And then yeah, so Pongo leads out another round of dogs and as they're going to the truck uh the snow starts melting and that's what gets onto the puppy's fur causes the suit to come off and voila you have spots yes as they're like i think it was a pongo is is like running to get one last dog onto the truck and he himself jumps on but cruella (laughs) notices and a chase ensues and she pulls up next to the guy in the moving van and basically side locks him and he is like what the hell are you doing and then he says crazy woman driver yeah at least he stopped with woman and didn't call her something worse which would it's true which would also be likely but this is still not great but in no. this case like that's actually pretty descriptive she is a crazy woman driver it's true because she is she is driving in a way that makes me believe the military needs her car because it can survive <laughs> and drive through anything almost. Yeah, that is God. Cruella Cruella is the reason why I get scared of driving sometimes because people actually drive cars like that. Yeah. They really, really do. And I also oh go on. I was just no, I was gonna say is it's always a concern. It's always a concern. I also want to point out that this climax that we get is about seven minutes till the end of the movie. So I I like to pay attention to this in all of the Disney movies because it seems like the climax of the movie happens about 10 minutes (laughs) to the end. (laughs) It's yeah, it's there. And one of the scenes that I was bringing up about having taken too long was actually this loading the puppies onto the van scene. Yes. Um, I actually think that the scene in the manor where Tibbs is trying to hide the puppies should have been longer and a little bit more suspenseful because it would have given more time for Pongo and Purdy to get there mm-hmm. and made it seem a little bit more dramatic. And this one, just the tension didn't didn't last. I agree with you. I don't feel like the tension really built while they were trying to escape and get onto the van. And no. I also think that part of it is because it just kind of felt like, okay, it's going to be the same thing. You didn't notice the first 15 rounds of Labradors. You're not going to notice the second 15. Exactly. And, you know, and then the exciting part is this literal mad dash chase where the driver thinks he's shaken her because he thinks he literally managed to leave her in a ditch, but she forces her car to drive up and over um, this ditch, gains crazy air lands next to this truck and basically somehow manages to hook herself to it so is now just fishtailing along behind the dude did you ever play the game skyrim no okay so in skyrim this is a little bit infamous but you do have a Mm -hmm. horse that you can ride on and and Mm -hmm. get to places and people traditionally force this horse to go into locations that it can't go to so 
Cruella treats her car like a Skyrim horse because in Skyrim you're going to take your horse up a mountain. You're like, Why nope, you're riding like that this? mountain. Yeah. <laughs> but it almost seems like she was going to make it too, but then Jasper and Horace come down the road in their jalopy truck mm-hmm. and they were going to crash into the moving van and stop it, but they misjudge it and crash into her instead. And we get the lovely wiggle cam where the camera goes, oh, whoopsie doodle, we're in a crash. As it shows us the debris. And then we once again see her insulting them. All is right as it should be. (laughs) Yeah. And then we just uh, yada, 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 our way to Christmas at the Radcliffe house. Well, they do like, yeah, they the puppies and the dogs just, I guess the rest of it was smooth sailing. Uh, And they show up and Roger says, look, Anita, puppies everywhere. Yeah, and we get a little bit of exposition where Anita, uh, Roger turns off the radio where the lady is singing the Cruella de Vil song. And she goes, oh, come on, Roger, it's your first song. Or it's like the first big, like, song that broke through. Yeah. And has made them some money. Yeah, apparently it made them. I mean, I assume that the song got as popular as like a Taylor Swift song or maybe it became uh london's new uh mariah carey what is her christmas ditty that appears every year all i want for christmas is you yeah like maybe it became that and that's how they suddenly got all of this money because that's kind of crazy that they're like hey now we're loaded it's fine let's take in 99 puppies (laughs) yeah and that's what they just decide to do they're like great we got it yeah they also like all like Anita, Roger, and Nanny all try to count the dogs at once. Yeah, not a great idea. It's a terrible idea. But I guess they now have a nice, happy, dog-filled family because that's where we, we leave it. We assume that somehow this regular London couple can actually allow 101 dogs to live in their tiny, tiny brownstone. Yeah, and everything will be totally fine and everything is good everything is good so before we get to our usual questions mm-hmm. uh before recording um alexia and i had some fun looking at the disney fandom comments because yeah. some of these are wild they are i i want to call out one of my uh one of my favorites um which is one person did a comment about uh the amount of spots mm-hmm. uh, and that apparently Pongo spots were switched with Perdita's body and vice versa in one scene. And they do provide visual evidence of that. So Eesh. people take spots seriously, I guess. They really do. Um, I, I really like the most recent one, which is left by Will Wilson, Andrew C in the end, Cruella got what she deserved. I'm glad Pongo and Perdita saved their puppies from her because she really didn't deserve her dream coat in the first place. You know what they say, justice always wins. That actually does bring up a bit of a question. Why, why puppies? Why puppy fur instead of letting them grow up to be slightly bigger dogs, which would get you more fur and a bigger coat? She says that they wanted to give it more time, but the police are on to them, so they have to do it sooner. Ah, all right. That makes some sense. It makes some sense. One of the other comments that we looked at by Littlefoot 
8215 was 101 Dalmatians is one of my favorite Disney movies and one of my favorite movies overall. When I watch 101 Dalmatians, I also watch 16 episodes of Adventure Time, which they then go on to list, which is an Adventure Time aficionado. These episodes have anything to do with 101 Dalmatians. But go figure. Um, I, I guess so it's okay. So many questions. <laughs> but I don't think we'll have any of those answered for us. No. Well, do we want to answer our couple of questions? Yeah, Callie. Did you like this movie and do you recommend it? Yes and yes. I I enjoyed this movie i thought that it was a fun uh animated romp it was exciting to watch it there was there were no moments where i felt like um <laughs> there was a choir trying to put me to sleep with a lullaby so let's change your pace but nice what about you <laughs> um i did like it but i recommend it about 50 50 i do think it goes on a little bit too long but for the most part i enjoy it i'd say maybe not for like younger kids i think they might get bored Maybe like older kids and teens and adults and stuff. I think that's pretty, pretty reasonable. And I'm sure if you also watch the movie on like 1.5 speed or something like that, that would also help. (laughs) I don't know if I'd recommend watching Disney films on 1.5 speed, but I wouldn't say you can't do it. (laughs) Well, the next movie that we're covering is another step away from dogs as we're going to be talking about the Arthurian classic question mark the sword and the stone the sword and the stone indeed i'm i'm excited for that one i remember liking it quite a lot yeah i'm i'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts i just watched it recently and and had a grand old time uh but i have some thoughts on the plot (laughs) it'll be a thing it'll be a thing so tune in to us next week if you like stones you like swords and you like hearing damsels discuss those things i guess we'll find out but for now so long glamour boys so long glamour boys damsels who discuss is created and produced by crow's nests podcast your hosts are galley articola and alexia thurumalai you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash damsels who discuss all one word on Instagram at instagram.com slash damsels who discuss all one word again, and on Twitter at twitter.com slash damsels who disco because Twitter has a character limit. Or you can also email us at damsels who discuss at gmail.com. So long glamour boys. So long glamour boys. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>